Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Friday, July 31st, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and this week I had the privilege of speaking with Heather Jew Northover, Director of the Center for Health Equity with the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. The focus of our conversation was on health equity, including how we in public health define health equity, the difference between equity and equality, and how partnerships are critical to advancing health equity and reducing health disparities in communities of color, including the spread and impact of COVID-19. We've included a few helpful links in the show notes for this episode, including a link to the Center for Health Equity's website. It's a great resource, so be sure to check it out. But for now, here's my conversation with Heather Jew Northover. So if we could just start with you sharing a little bit about yourself, what do you do for the Department of Public Health? Well, my name is Heather Jew Northover. I currently direct the Center for Health Equity in the Department of Public Health. I've been in the department for 15 years now. Uh, Previously to this appointment, I worked as a senior advisor to the chief deputy director and special assistant to the director. Although I've spent most of my time in the department in the division of HIV and STD programs. So you work uh, in the Center for Health Equity, and we hear those terms, health equity, quite a bit these days. Um, What is health equity exactly? That's a really good question. Um, So people define it in a lot of different ways. So I want to acknowledge that. The way that we think about health equity in the center is that it's when everyone has what they need, right? Goods, services, resources, opportunities, power, um, to really achieve optimal health and well-being. You know, and this really requires ensuring that everyone has, you know, basic needs, clean air to breathe, clean water to drink, healthy foods, safety, shelter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, opportunities for economic and social development, good schools, good paying jobs that are safe, right? We're talking a lot about that now related to COVID-19. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, relationships that are supportive, Um, and respectful and loving, and then obviously a sustainable, clean environment. And it also means that health outcomes, quality of life, longevity, aren't really determined by things like the color of our skin, where we live, how much money we make, where we were born, who we love, our gender expression, and all those things. So unfortunately, both in LA County and across our nation, you know, we do see huge gaps in health outcomes and longevity related to primarily uh, our race and ethnicity, mm-hmm. place or geography, um, and income level. Like where we live. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, in public health, right, as a public health professional, We love saying your zip code determines more about your health than your genetic code, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. we see that factor Um, in LA County. We see a 12-year difference in longevity um, between different communities of color, between different communities across our county. And you and I, Steve, right, we look at the data all the time. We're 
data gurus, or at least, well, I'm not, but <laughs> <laughs> public health professionals We in have general. staff that are data gurus. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. Um, and so we see this data all the time. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about data and I talk about these numbers, uh, a colleague who you probably know, Tiffany Romo, once said, yeah. and it's always stuck with me, mm-hmm. when people see numbers, we see faces, right? There's actually lives and lived experience behind those numbers and those data points that are so impersonal. And, you know, when I talk about these disparities and inequitable outcomes, I always challenge people to think about what those 12 years mean in a person's life. Mm. And I challenge people to think in their own lives how much their own life has changed in the past 12 years the people that they've met, the people that they've loved, the time that they've been able to spend with friends and family, the things that they've accomplished, and what that means not having those 12 years. So is is personalizing that data a, a part of what the center does? Because I think that's really powerful what you just said. Those 12 years on paper, it's just a number, but when you apply it to someone's life, it's it's real significance. I think storytelling is a really big part of getting people to understand what we're really facing and the impact that it has on our communities, mm-hmm. right? So many people, and myself included, really lead with the head, right? We present with the head, we talk with the head, um, but the way in which people are really impacted and integrate new ideas and thoughts uh, is through the heart. Right, and that storytelling really helps drive that forward. Can you help our listeners understand the difference between equity and equality? Because I know that's something we talk about a lot in public health. Is you've defined health equity well just now, but what what is the difference between health equality and health equity? That's a really great question, um, and you're right. A lot of people use equity and equality interchangeably, um, but they mean very different things. So when we talk about equality, we really are talking about treating everyone the same. When we talk about equity, we're really talking about promoting fairness and justice. And I wish that this was not just a interview, but perhaps you can post it. There's this really great infographic from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation that talks about the difference in a really striking way. So equality is really about giving people the same bike, right? No matter if they're tall, no matter if they're short, uh, if they are in a wheelchair. um, And I am not a bike rider, but my (laughs) spouse is a huge bike rider. And I do have a bike and he has a bike. And anyone who rides bikes knows that a bike needs to be fitted for you in order for you to be able to move forward, right? I cannot reach the pedals on his bike. (laughs) I am 4'11", he is 6'2". He could probably ride my bike, but it would be very inefficient and really hard for him over a long term, right? Right. Equity is really about giving people the bike that fits them. So a toddler right? Like a bike with training wheels, a woman in in a wheelchair, a hand cycle, right? 
a bigger bike for a taller person, a smaller bike fitted for a shorter person. <laughs> um, and so that's really what equity is all about. Got it. And we'll, we can post a link to that graphic in the show notes for this episode. Oh, perfect. Yeah, we can put that in there. Thank you. That's, that's really helpful. So the center that you direct uh, has an action plan. I, I took a look at it online. That's a great looking website. Uh, by the you. way, we'll also post a link to in the show notes for your website. Can you talk about this, the focus areas and the strategic priorities of, of your center? Yeah. So the action plan is really organized around the center's work um, with one goal and four strategies and five focus areas. So the goal is pretty straightforward. We want to eliminate gaps in health outcomes that we see. Mm-hmm. And the four strategic priorities really are not what we're doing, but determines how we do our work differently across the department and the county. So thinking about how do we provide useful and inclusive health equity data, right? How are we ensuring that we're collecting and disseminating the the data, disaggregating data so people feel seen, so that we can actually see potential gaps in health outcomes that we're not continuing to um, effectively erase people by data and that we're able to get Mm -hmm. data to communities so that they can leverage it and use it to advocate for their communities. And we publish a lot of that data on the DPH website. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, The next thing is really supporting policy and systems change, really Mm -hmm. for the equitable distribution of opportunity and resources. So thinking about... How do we undo bad policies? How do we, when we're developing new policies, making sure that we're thinking about who it impacts and how are we not perpetuating unintended consequences that are really going to highly impact some communities over others in negative ways? And then one thing that we don't talk a lot about that I think we should be talking more about is how do we ensure that once we pass those policies, that we enforce it? Mm. Because a policy without enforcement is just something on the books and on paper, and it doesn't actually impact people's lives. Mm -hmm. And that's not an easy thing to do in terms of the enforcement piece. No. No, as we're seeing again with (laughs) COVID-19. Right, right. um, Yeah, compliance is so critical to us being successful with COVID-19 and mixed results so far. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the last two, I think, are also really important. Um, in order for us to change the way we do business, we really need to strengthen organizational readiness and capacity to adopt these strategies and adopt this health equity, racial equity, gender equity lens in our work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really going to take... Um, strengthening organizational capacity um, and, uh, and readiness, trainings, internal policies and practices, changing our processes, right? If we don't clean our own house, how do we expect others to do the same? And then the last thing that I think is most critical is really building public, private, and community partnerships mm. that share power and respect community autonomy. So this work is huge. We can't do it alone, right? Right. right. Um, 
And even if we did it alone and we did everything right, we did everything equitable, because we know inequities are baked into not just our institutions or our structures, but it's systemic, we're, we're not going to get far if we don't have people bought into the idea and working alongside us to make change. So in terms of partnerships, how can people or organizations apply these principles in, in their work or their lives? I mean, it seems like uh, it's a very personal decision one can make to start living in the way that you just described that would support the strategies. Totally. So it's funny, like I get a lot of requests from primarily students, primarily public health students, obviously, mm-hmm. or maybe not so obviously, who are super interested in equity and health equity and want to do this work. And their first question always to me is, how do I become a director of a center or office of health equity or equity? How do I do the work that you do? They want your job. They want my job, right. (laughs) (laughs) And my answer to them is always, you can do this work anywhere you are both professionally and personally. Professionally, public health department-wide is really enacting these principles and strategies from division of HIV STD programs to maternal child and adolescent health Mm -hmm. to uh, the way that we're dealing with infectious disease, right? And it's not even just in public health. It's in many different sectors. And then I would say it's not, it doesn't have to be your life work. It could really just be how you are in your everyday life, right? We were talking before, it doesn't have to be this grand gesture. Right. It's really how do you adopt those values and live by them? Mm -hmm. Either when you are thinking about supporting and voting for different policies or candidates. It could be how you think about and support the things that are going on in your communities that you know are so important and vital to communities that maybe that you're not even a part of, but that you know is important. Um, And the other thing that's important to emphasize here is that I think when people think about equity, they often think of it as a zero-sum game, that people will benefit at the expense of others. Right. And what we find is, is that when we move toward equity, that benefits everyone. Mm -hmm. The slice of pie is, there is no limit to the size of the pie. Exactly. We can all benefit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about the famous example of cut curbs. It took disability advocates years to get that as a standard, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And think about how many people, how many groups that also benefits, skateboarders. You're you're talking about the little slant that goes at a corner when we walk like through a crosswalk. There's that little slant there. Yeah. That took a long time to to become standard. Yeah. You know, parents with strollers, Mm -hmm, right? mm Mm-hmm elderly or older adults. So when we think about equity, when we move toward equity, when we vote for equity, really it's a vote and move toward healthy communities that benefit us all. 
In her daily press briefings uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Dr. Ferrer called for immediate action to help correct the desperate impact and disproportionality of the spread of COVID-19. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how the principle of health equity can be applied to our, our work on the pandemic. I think everyone is witnessing how this pandemic is holding up a mirror to and exacerbating existing inequities historically experienced by low-income communities and communities of color Mm -hmm. who are seeing higher rates of infection and death. And we're also seeing exposed sort of the drivers of inequities, discrimination, prejudice, power imbalances. I think about my own Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander communities, and it's really brought to light discrimination and inequities that our communities are facing, from the rise of hate crimes um, to the fears that drove people away very early on in the pandemic from Asian ethnic neighborhoods and businesses that had a huge financial impact. And then we started seeing the uh, infection and death rates, particularly for Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is sort of echoed in other communities as well. And we see that due to decades of discriminatory housing, begging, and economic policies that have prevented communities of color and low-income communities from getting ahead and acquiring economic security, Mm -hmm. that they're less able to weather this financial crisis caused by the pandemic And it's really forced them to be on the front lines of this pandemic. Yeah. How does the center's work support communities that are being disproportionately impacted by COVID-19? What are we doing to help those communities? So one thing that we're about to launch that I'm involved in is really investing and getting money out on the ground to resource community-based organizations in communities hardest hit and highly impacted, designed to increase availability of testing, really expand uh, and support the effectiveness of case investigation and contact tracing, support uh, systems navigation, that link folks to wraparound services that really help individuals and families to successfully comply with public health directives to isolate or quarantine if they've been in close contact with someone Mm. and to also overcome challenges that often predated COVID-19, which COVID-19 is driving and actually deepening. Food insecurity, joblessness, housing insecurity, homelessness and really to bolster community outreach and engagement and culturally and linguistically inclusive communications so people have the information they need to protect them and their families and community. And so one way that I think is really important as we talk about equity is how are we investing in communities that are most highly impacted and hardest hit Mm -hmm and really working with those communities to co-design and develop interventions that are right for those communities and really bring on public health ambassadors to do that work on the ground. Well, that's great. If people or organizations want to get involved um, and want to learn more, how can they how can they plug into this work? So they can visit the website. Uh, it's 
healthequity.lacounty.gov. Okay, and we'll include a link in the show notes. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, which actually mm-hmm. gives updates on the work that is happening in the center, our department, our county, uh, both the entity and the geographic region about what's going on um, related to equity and also opportunities to really get involved. Wonderful. So I just want to end with uh, a question that I've asked everyone that I've interviewed for this podcast. And that is that in the midst of this, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, the unknown nature of the virus, the uncertainty of everything we're going through, where does Heather go to find hope and peace at the, at the end of the day? I focus on the helpers, just as Mr. Rogers said that his mom <laughs> reminded him to do. I love Mr. Rogers. Um, but thinking about and looking at who are the everyday heroes. You know, I see healthcare providers, superheroes, obviously, in their own right on the front lines battling this disease. And, you know, special shout out to my cousin, Kristen Lee, who is a, uh, actually is an emergency department nurse. You know, I see those, you know, working their hardest to provide aid to those in need or keeping their loved ones safe, thinking about and seeing the innovators, the scientists, the public servants, the parents, really finding new solutions to new problems in these, frankly, uncharted times. And I see and revere dreamers, the schemers and advocates really trying to capitalize on this quote-unquote big pause to reimagine and actually engineer a bigger, brighter, and more equitable world after we hit play. Because a return to normal is not enough. We want to look toward a more equitable forward future. That's a great vision. I love it so much. Thank you so much, Heather Jew Northover, for sharing some of your expertise and time with us today. Thanks for having me, Steve. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.